Uh, my name is Heath. I am the lead pastor here at Reach. I'm excited that you're here this morning. Um, I have uh, an end times message today. Woo! It is, but it's not. Okay, don't get too excited. Somebody's going to like, we're going to know the day he's returning. No. Um, actually, we'll answer that right off. But um, we, if you've been reading along with us in the one-year Bible, you've been in Mark, and uh, we've been looking at um, really the life and ministry of Jesus and, 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 and seeing his words. And I, I love, um, as you go through the gospel, seeing over and over again the mission and values um, that God has instilled through His Son to us, and we want to take full advantage of that. Before um, we get to it, and if we're going to be in Mark 13, 32 through 37, um, so if you want to flip ahead, that's where we're going to be in just a second. But I want to, I want to, I want to talk about myself for just a second in a negative way. Is that all right? You all usually like that. You're like, okay, he's normal. We're normal. It's okay. Um, my <clears throat> takeaway from today is. Is your faith asleep at the wheel? So have you ever, don't show hands, okay, because they were like not driving with them at dark. And I think this is going to, this is going to give some people that already think I'm a bad driver more evidence to that. I won't point out any names or anything, um, but okay, I have a little issue. Have you ever fallen asleep at the wheel? Anybody? Okay, don't don't raise your hand. Your spouse is probably like, yes, uh, they have. Uh, well, I have. I have a tendency, and I've gotten better. I've, I've learned that you don't listen to music for Heath. You listen to somebody, like an audio book or something that keeps your mind going because, you know, and it gets dark and your eyes get heavy and it's just dangerous. And uh, so much so that, like, any time we travel long distances, you know, Jody will not sleep while I'm driving. And she will occasionally go, Heath! I'm like... <laughs> scare me, but I am not asleep, girl. <laughs> you can make me have a wreck just yelling at me. Sometimes I will occasionally just to play with her, like close. Just, <laughs> just this one eye. Oh, it's hilarious. Um, but <laughs> but when it when the table turned and it's her turn to drive, which you know is less now. Um, like I will, I'm out. Like one of my favorite times of a trip is like falling asleep and waking up when you get there. Anywhere else? I mean, I wish they sold that. I'm waiting for cars to drive you because I will sleep everywhere. Be like, oh yeah, that's great. Yes, let's let's tour the country. Well, let, let me tell you a little story of, of, of an incident where I fell asleep. So there was a morning, I, I get up really, really early in the morning and go and work out. And there was one morning that I went out. This was uh, like two or three years ago. I've gotten better uh, since then. Um, I'm really, I'm in like support groups for those that fall asleep at the wheel. <clears throat> um, and so I was driving. I got up early, went to work out, took my kids to school. And I was driving to Fayetteville for a meeting that I had down there. And um, I don't know if you've ever gone to Fayetteville from here on 87, that two-lane road. Well, when it goes back to four lanes, it's like heaven because you're not stuck behind whatever you've been stuck behind for the last however many miles. And you're on four lanes. And, you know, just like, <laughs> I didn't even feel tired. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, but just a second, like, closed my eyes and my eyes opened up. And two of my tires, I'm driving, uh, we had, actually the truck is owned by somebody else now, but we had a truck that we had for the church um, that was a two-wheel drive, you know, long bed pickup truck. 
And so when my eyes opened again, two of my wheels were in the grass on this four-lane road. And I was like, I, I didn't panic. I'm like, okay, I got this. You know, both hands on the wheel. And I was like, I'm just going to bring it, bring it back on the road. I didn't jerk it. I didn't hit the brakes. And, you know, no weight in the back of this thing. And it was like, in, in the median. Like, literally, um, it did, a, I guess, a 180 through the two lanes and butt through the grass median. Thank you. Thankfully, there was no divide in the middle. There was no whatever. And then it stopped. And I don't, it so violently <laughs> shook the truck that it cut off. And so, like, <laughs> and I'm looking around and I just run over somebody. Um, and there was no one around other than like, the person that's like here in the turn lane. Just like, I'm sure they were like, <laughs> Like, you about killed me. And so, like, I literally, um, you know, you know, I'm get, like, it's always awkward when you're in the middle of the median. So I wanted to get out of the median, and I pulled into the turn lane. That car had left, and I was like, I did a, a quick once over to make sure nothing was hanging off the car. The muffler was still there and all that stuff, and, um, and, and it cranked up. So it was off, and I was like, oh, my gosh, it's stuck here. Turn it back on, and it cranked up, and I pulled away, and I called Jody immediately. I was like, further evidence for her to never let me never sleep while I'm driving. And it scared the mess out of me. I mean, like, literally. I mean, like, there, I don't know that my heart rate went under 120 for, like, the next hour. Like, there was no fear of me falling asleep again. I was like, <laughs> I didn't need caffeine. Your, your body naturally gives you everything that you need. And it... You know, it scared me. And you, you hear stories about this all the time. People falling asleep in accidents. And I mean, I'm, I'm grateful that the end of this little funny story, you know, I didn't hit. I mean, there could have been somebody in the lane beside me that when I lost control, I hit. I mean, I could have caused an accident, could have killed somebody, could have killed myself. And it terrified me. So much so that I have, I've, I've gotten better. Like I've learned, you know, I don't listen to the radio and I really listen to something that's going to try to keep my brain stimulated to keep me awake. And you're, you're all going to be like, what does he drive? <laughs> you just come by me and be like, ah, wake up. Um, I don't, I have not had an end. This is like three years ago. And, you know, the thing is that this is not only a condition that we can have, you know, where you fall asleep in the car, which is dangerous. But um, there's a really even more scary as falling asleep at the wheel of life. Of you know, there isn't directly the same consequences if you fall asleep at the wheel of a car and you run off the road and whatever um, here. But there is other things that happen all the time. And, and, and sadly, this is a really common occurrence. And, you know, I'm not talking about narcolepsy. Where you fall asleep, like, randomly. I should have staged a few people. I should... I think of fun stuff to do up here. I should have staged a few people that just, like, fell asleep in their seat. Some of you do that already. I don't even have to. <laughs> just saying, I see you. So uh, pay attention. You know, and, and the danger is, is if we allow this in our life, we even more so get to see things get destroyed. I mean, 
Think about marriages, you know, falling asleep at the wheel of the marriage where you, you just kind of neglect. And, you know, the longer you're together, the, the easier it is to take each other for granted. And the easier it is to just kind of go, ah, oh, you know, we're doing okay. We haven't talked in three weeks, but, you know, we're not fighting. So that's great. And, you know, you fall asleep at the wheel with your kids. You're like, well, things are good, but, like, we don't realize, like, I think I'm coming to the terms um, or the reality that I have a child that in two months is going to be driving. She doesn't fall asleep at the wheel that I know of. Um, she doesn't have an ex- enough experience, but she will be driving. And then two years after that, she's a sophomore right now. She's going to be out of high school. And it's so easy to kind of do the motions, get them to where they're supposed to go, do the things that you have to get done, like feed them and make sure they have clothes and, and take them to practices and do these other things that you really fall asleep at the wheel of investing and pouring into their lives because it happens. And I know if you're a young parent, your kids are checked in and you heard them earlier bouncing in the bounce house like we do that on purpose um that's the joy that god wants to give us now today for us adults but it's so easy to think man i've got so much time like i i've got so much time and you know we'll next week and in next month or when they're this age we'll start filling the blank the danger is that this is so common that it really is affecting our city and our country and our world, as as we neglect to do the things that we should be doing, and I, I'm going to talk about the end time. So if you if you've read um, Mark 13, <clears throat> Jesus starts off Mark 13 really telling you like these are the signs. The disciples are like, what what are we what do we look for? And he he gives them this list of like when when this happens. The, uh, um, abomination of desolation happens. You're like, oh, what is that? That sounds really bad. And uh, all these other, like when, when this is happening and this is happening, he's giving all these lists. And, 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 and the danger is, is that some of us in the church, have, have we, we've written these things down and we've spent so much time investing in the when that we forget the now that God's called us to. And I'm, I'm not for, like, I'm not against, like, you, you know, looking at, the end times. But if if your focus is when he's going to return and you neglect the what he's called you to do to now, you're missing the point. And when and the beauty of that is, is once you get through all he's given all these signs, hey, when you see this, like I you know, if you're pregnant, oh, that's bad. You know, like if you're on the roof and you see it, like, don't. Don't pick up the stereo, leave the iPhone, and run out of the house. I'm trying to think of comparable things. Your children. Okay, don't forget your children. Take your children, but leave the dog. Like, <clears throat> God will take care of the dog. Leave the door open so he can fend for himself. <laughs> Sorry. Some dog people are like, no, he didn't. I'm not leaving my dog. <clears throat> And so it's leading up to this place and, uh, where they're, they're going, oh, and I'm sure his disciples are like writing this down, like, okay, okay, we're going to look for that. And when this happens, okay, yeah, w- what's next? And he, he goes, and they walk past the fig tree that Jesus cursed a little bit earlier ago, and it's dead, and they're learning a lesson from the fig tree, and then it gets to verse 32. And this, this ends our overemphasis on trying to figure out the day. Let me just tell you. 
if, if you didn't know this, if you hear tomorrow on some famous Christian radio station or whatever that they give you a date for the return of Christ, <laughs> just laugh at it and turn the channel. Because I'm telling you, look, look at this. So starting in verse 32, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, verse 32, and it says, but concerning the day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heavens, nor the Son, but only the Father. So all of us, and I'm not saying don't research it, but like if you come to the conclusion, like you, you, you check the numbers and you figured out the day, you have not figured out the day. If the angels in heaven don't know, you won't know. And that's the beauty of what we're going to talk about today, that it doesn't matter the day. Because he will return. He is going to return. And what he's called us to regardless. I mean, because that literally, and I hope not, but that day could be another 2,000 years. Because we saw earlier in 13, it says, until all of the earth. Let me, let me not make this up. It says, the gospel must first be proclaimed to all Nations, there are unreached people groups until the gospel has reached the entire world. He is not going to return. No one knows the day other than the father. See, and I'm sure the disciples like, oh, like, what did you give us this checklist for? Because he's telling them, look, guys. There will be signs that things are moving in that direction, but you need to understand that I've called you to be ready now. Because I'm just going to tell you, some of us are waiting for things to happen before we really engage. We're like, well, when it gets really bad, like really, really bad, like we're going to be on mission, we're going to be on point, we're going to do the things that God's called us to do. But right now things are pretty good and it's it's a little bit away. Let me... <clears throat> My kids were not left a home alone, so don't take this as a story like we neglect our children left for so many days, went out of the country and just, you know, left them the dog food. Say, see you later. Um, but can you imagine if you went out of town for a certain period of time and, you know, your kids, they're thinking like, we got three or four more days before we had to clean the house. Like, I mean, do your kids, if you give them a timeline of when things have to be clean, are they ever like, let's do that first? Like, they wake up in the morning, like we have to clean the room before the end of the day. Have you ever... And if you have, like, teach me. But have you ever had your kid, like, wake up in the morning and be like, hey, guys, let's clean first. So we don't have to worry about that later. No. They're like, at 4.55, they're like, ah, clean. Every you here, there, and, you know, everything's shoved into the closet. It's crazy. I mean, we're the same way. We're like, well, you know, we'll just put it off until. <clears throat> Verse 33, it says, be on guard, keep awake, for you do not know the time will come, when the time will come. Be ready. Like, that's the thing. There's so many of us that sometimes, I don't know what we're waiting for. <clears throat> but we're waiting for that point to really get serious about this, this thing about being a disciple. Like, we do the things that are easy. Like, quote scripture on Facebook. Like this app, the Bible app, 
Like, it'll even give you suggestions. So you look like, boom. I mean, pretty picture in the background, but like, yes, yeah, spiritual. That may be the, you may not even have read it. You're like, I like the colors. It will be funny. Like, I think it'd be funny. They're not going to do this. But if the app just messed with people and like horrible verses, but cute styled, they're like, yes. You know, you're burning wherever. Um, But, you know, I think sometimes it's like easy to do these one parts, but it's it's hard. To be ready, it's hard to have that really walking out what God has called us to do. In our world, in verse 34, it says, it is like a man going on a journey. So he's getting ready to give a story of what this looks like. And when he leaves home, he puts his servants in charge, each with his work. Okay, here, here's, here's the picture. God is the master of the house. And the master of the house leaves. And he leaves his servants his children, his disciples, servants, in charge. <clears throat> and he gives them each with his work. I mean, and I think for us to really have the scope of what does it mean to be a ready, what does it really mean to be awake, it means that God has given you, we make eye contact with everybody, <clears throat> he's given you a role to play In this world that he's left, this house that he's left us in, he's given you a responsibility, he's given you a job, and your job is for you alone. Do you get that? Like, I think sometimes, not always, but I grew up in and around church almost my entire life, and sometimes, you know, you hear them talking, but you're looking at the guy up there speaking, going, that's your job, buddy. It ain't my job. Like, it ain't my job to go preach. It ain't my job to disciple and train people because, I, you know, I'm not ready for that and I can't do that. God has given you a responsibility for now. Every single one of you. If you're sitting in this room and you're like, I don't know Jesus, he's not giving you a role yet. But he's placed one over you. Because when we enter into this life of going, God, I'm yours, when you become his servant, when you become his disciple, then he goes, son, here, just like the, the story of the talents. <clears throat> Remember the parable of the talents? He gave each one according to his ability talents for him to do something with. And, and the two that did something, made money out of their talents, they had increase on their talents. God came back and said, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Father. And the one he gave, he still gave the one that he knew was going to neglect it. And that guy went and hid it in the ground. Some of us, that's asleep in our faith. Is that God's given us something. He's put something on us, whatever that may be for you. And out of fear of messing it up or fear of losing it, we bury it somewhere in our backyard. Some of you are going to be going home and be like, I don't remember burying anything. It's just a picture. It's not real. <clears throat> but we do that. We hide this thing. And, and you've got to understand, if we're, gonna, if we're going to this be us, we have to understand this is a message to his disciples, not just the twelve But to everyone that calls on his name, we become the servant in the story. 
And each has his work. Um, Continue on in verse 34, and it says, and, he command, and commands the doorkeeper to stay awake. And the doorkeeper is the picture of the apostles or the, the lead people. They're the ones that are managing the door going, hey, come in. Hey, like, don't come in. Like, not that we're standing at the door going, mm-mm. Like, our greeters are not the doorkeeper. No, no. That's not what we're doing outside. But it was the job of those proclaiming the gospel to open and close the door. For him to stay awake in verse 35, it says, therefore, stay awake. You hear the pattern. He's saying this over and over again. It says, for you do not know when the master of the house will come. And he's getting ready to give you four different times. And they're all in the nighttime. And I know it's not nighttime outside, but we, during this period, are in the dark. Like, we're literally in, I mean, there are things in our world, I don't even have to tell you. I mean, like, I don't know if you watched the news and saw what happened in Florida. I don't know if you saw what happened at the um, the VA hospital or the um, their VA housing place and the, the, uh, the nurse and the two doctors. I mean, our world is crazy. We are in the night. We are... In the darkness. And God has called us, his children, to be the light in that darkness. So he gives times that he could come. And these are, I did a little bit of research there. Um, There's four different times. And these are, because he's speaking mostly to a a Roman group. So these are Roman, um, the four different stages, I think, for the house of Israel. They they broke their nights into three time slots. And they actually had... Um, the ones that were managing the temple, they had responsibilities and they had to be awake. And so they would do rounds at these different time points. And when the person would come through, there, those that were guarding certain por- por- portions of the tabernacle, like they had to be awake. And if they were ever found asleep, they would be punished. They would literally be taken out and beaten for that because they had a responsibility of staying awake for that. So there was a motivation to stay awake for that. We're not going to be you if you fall asleep in church. Um, in the evening, so the first section is 6 to 9 p.m. or at midnight, 9 p.m. to 12 a.m., or when the rooster crows, 12 a.m. to 3 a.m., or in the morning, 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. So we don't know when the master will return. But we do know during his season of being gone, we are in the night. I mean, there, our world is not getting better. There is nothing that is going to remedy other than the return of Jesus. There is nothing, nothing that's going to remedy our world's issue. I mean, we can do everything. This is not like, well, let's let's huddle together, Christians, and not do anything and not love the world. We change the world through the gospel now. But the world as a whole is going to be in darkness until Jesus returns, which he is returning. Verse 36, it says, least he comes suddenly and find you asleep. Over and over again, you see with the the parable of the ten virgins where they're they're waiting for the bridegroom to come. And some of them have their lamps. And I know it's kind of weird, but like, like you don't know when he's coming. You've got lamps and you're waiting outside. And some of them had extra oil because they knew, like, this takes a little bit. And some of them didn't have extra oil. And the ones that didn't have extra oil were like, hey, hey, hey. Can I, can I get a little bit? Of... 
And it seems like mean. Like, why didn't they just share their oil with those people? It was a, a parable. The, the illustration there is God saying, be ready, be prepared, don't fall asleep, which I think is hilarious if you keep reading. <clears throat> a little bit later, Jesus is on the day before. He's getting ready to be captured. He's getting ready to be taken in and humiliated and beaten and tortured and led to the cross. And he takes his A-team, like not just the, you know, the other scrub, but he takes his A-team off to go and pray, and he tells them, hey, you like, it's getting ready to get bad. We pray, Stay up and pray with me. And Jesus leaves them, hey, pray, pray. And he leaves, and Jesus goes pray, and, and, and Jesus has those moments where he's like, Lord, if it is your will, if, we, if there's any other way that we can do this other than me going to the cross, because it wasn't like Jesus was like, yeah, nail me to the cross. He understood what he was going to have to go through. But he kept saying, not my will, but yours. And then he went back to them and he was like, hey, guys, can't you just stay awake for a minute? Don't you realize how close we are to this moment? Can't you stay and pray? And he goes away again and Jesus prays again for the same thing. Like, God, I'll do anything that you want. Father, I'll do anything you want. He comes back to his disciples and they're asleep. This is not for the unholy. I think sometimes we're like, if you're asleep at the wheel of your faith, you're a horrible person. Our founding fathers, sorry, mother and father-in-law. Our founding fathers fell asleep at the most critical point of the life and ministry of Jesus leading up to this point. And one of them had already been told by Jesus that you're going to betray me or deny me three times before the end of the night. You don't even told that you're going to do that. I'm telling you, like, if Jesus told me I'm going to do something, and it was only after Peter goes, like, I'll die. Like, I'm sure he, like, unbuttoned his shirt a little bit, and he was like, if all others fall away, I won't, I will die. <laughs> What'd he do? He cut off some dude's ear and ran away. <laughs> and then, and then, When a little girl accuses him of being part of Jesus' entourage, he brings down curses on himself and those around him going, I don't even know the man. I mean, do, you, do you get this? this? This is normal. But Jesus is saying over and over again, be on your guard. One, actually the... <clears throat> New King James and the King James says, be on your guard, stay awake and pray. Like in this season, God is saying we cannot be absent to our faith. We cannot just go, well, you know, I'll read the Bible later. I'll pray later. You know, I'll, I'll disciple someone later. I'll share my faith later. Later never happens. It doesn't. Our, our world, I mean, literally, if I'm, not, I'm not a hell, fire and brimstone preacher, but... <clears throat> Without Jesus, our world, people-wise, will face an eternity without. An eternity. And our falling asleep at the wheel is neglecting us and what God wants to do with us, but it's also neglecting His children that He's placed in this city for us. To interact with, to love on, to disciple, to, to bring into this joy that we're singing about. 
I think sometimes it's like it's easier to come to church and sing a few songs and, and, you know, sit through my teaching without falling asleep and then leave and go, man, I did it. I'm not asleep at the wheel. I was here and I stayed awake the entire time. That's not what he's talking about. Are you taking your faith seriously? Are you investing in it? Because if you're not, like, what are you doing? Like, I'm missing my job if all you do is come and hear me for 40 minutes and then leave and then come back next week and hear me for 40 minutes and leave and come back. We've got to engage our community. Jesus, our master, is telling us to stay awake. And that means on your end, you going, God, what have you called me to? You may be sitting in this room and go, God, Heath, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know what my purpose is. And the beauty of that is, is that God gave us the Holy Spirit. John 17, he says, you know, it is to your benefit that I leave so that the counselor would come. The living God comes in, takes up residence in us, his children, and he leads us to what we're supposed to do. Look, I had no intention in planning a church. I know it kind of feels like, you know, people that do this. They were born that way. Mm -mm. Reluctantly. Here. I didn't even want to enter into my first ministry position with with youth ministry. I was kind of like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. But God was like, Heath, this is what I created you for. And God may not have created you for a ministry position, but he has created you for ministry. He has created you to take full advantage of the power that he has deposited in you for the changing of the lives of the people that you interact with. And some of that means that you've got to take serious. The king is here. And I can't do this, but like imagine if Jesus. The creator of the world, the one who spoke this world into existence, the one that holds everything together. If he walked in this room right now and you not like somebody dressed up like Jesus, but I'm like literally Jesus. Like, how serious would you take what he tells you to do? Hopefully you'd be like, okay, yes, sir. It's like the parents come home. You're like, okay, yeah, we're in. We're cleaning our room. Like, look. Jesus just walked in the room. These are not my words. These are, in my Bible, they're not, but in in other Bibles, they are written in red, meaning Jesus is speaking this to us and over and over again. He's saying, don't stay, do not fall asleep, stay awake. What is your mission? What has God put you here on this planet to do? Look, you will, let me just give you a hint. You will not discover that without the Word of God. Because there is a high chance if you pick your purpose based on what you want to do and what you're comfortable with, you will choose something lesser or something contrary to what God is calling you to do. But when you open the Word of God and it begins to speak life into you, it gives you purpose. 
You get to see like he's calling them to be disciples. What does that mean? You go to the end of the Gospels and you see what he has called his disciples to do, to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel, teaching all people what he has spoken and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's given us all a job. So what's your mission with your family? Like, how are we going to change the statistical data of what marriage looks like in the U.S. without Jesus and being awake? How are we going to change our lives of our children? Look, let me just tell you, um, you're not God nor the Holy Spirit. You cannot save your children. But God has given you License to live the gospel in front of them. And then you trust Jesus with them when you do what he's called you to do. What is your kingdom purpose here? Like, I I don't want you to. This is not a club. That we want you to join and pay dues. We want you to engage in the world that God has put you in. And how, how I would like to close our service is we're going to take communion. Uh, if you've never taken communion at Reach, let me explain it. There's two tables in the back. Uh, we do communion by intention. Just like. Intention just means that you're going to grab the bread, you're going to dip it. Intention. Um, you're going to dip it in the wine and the, you can take it right there. You can come back to your seat with your family and pray together and take it together as a family. You can do it at your time. Who's welcome to take communion in our house? Because I know depending on what church background you've been in, like it's like for members only or for this only. Here's who has privilege to go to the communion table. Anyone who has said yes to Jesus. If you're a son or daughter of the king, the table is yours by his own pronouncement. And so if this is your first Sunday and you are a child of God, join our family in taking communion today. Why is it a big deal? In verse 14, you get Judas leaves, betrays, it's happening, the wheels are in motion, Uh, He has Passover with the disciples, which is beautiful because Passover, if you've read in the Old Testament, Passover is the season when they're in Egypt. And and God says this is the final plague. And and the Passover is they slaughtered the lamb and they put the blood of the lamb on the lentils of the door. And every house that had that, the spirit that was coming over and taking the firstborn from every family that didn't have that, they were passed over. And so from generation to generation, the Jewish Tradition celebrated that day of Passover, which Jesus is our Passover celebration. He is the one whose blood was shed for us so that in us, the sin that you have committed, the things that you have done that has separated you from the love of God, Jesus becomes that for you. That's the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus becomes our Passover. And so he's sharing the Passover meal with his disciples and they have no clue. They have no clue within 24 hours this will literally be Jesus will becoming the lamb. 
He'll be coming the sacrifice for every single person after that to trust and believe in the name of Jesus for what he has done for us. And so in verse 22 of chapter 14, he says, as they were eating, he took bread. And I mean, like, I'm sure they were clueless. They're probably like, oh, Jesus, breaking bread. I mean, we've seen him do that. We've seen him do this. And they, they really didn't catch the meaning. But we get it. And as they were eating, he took bread. And after he blessed it, he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, take this. This is my body. And I'm sure they're like, okay. He speaks in parables. We misunderstand a lot of things, but we're just going to go with it. Verse 23, and it says, And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them and said, And they drank of it. And he said to them, This is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. I know that this is gluten-free bread, which all of the bread is gluten-free bread. So if you have any intolerances, you're also welcome at the bread with no issue. And I know this is gluten-free bread and this is Welch's grape juice. I I didn't ruin the illusion for you. But the elements are representing what Jesus has done for us. And so as we go to the table... And as we take that piece of bread, that is a representation of the body that was broken for us. And as we dip it in the Welch's grape juice, that is the blood that Jesus shed for us. And as we take this, it's not just, I think sometimes in churches it just becomes something that you do and you put it in your mouth and, you know, like, you know, I wouldn't have a meal of this, but, you know, I did it. Like this is us standing in front of the cross and saying, Jesus, you were our, my Passover. Like, and as we take that together as a family, as we together get ready to worship again, we get to experience the life that God has given us in his sacrifice And I don't think there's any better motivation for us to wake up than coming to the reality that without Jesus, without the cross, there would be no hope. There would be no joy. There'd be no peace. But with Jesus, all of those things are ours. The fruit of the Spirit. Ours. And so wherever you find yourself this morning, if you're if you've been asleep and this is just an irritating message to hear, because when you're asleep, If I fall asleep on the couch, not driving, just, you know, rest my eyes. And Jody's like, why are you sleeping? I'm like, I'm not sleeping. You know, we do that. So, like, you may be feeling that same tension that I feel when I get called out when I'm resting my eyes. And you go, like, I'm not really sleeping. I'm doing a great job here on the couch. Communion's a place, because actually in Corinthians, when he's talking about it, he said it's a time that we sit and reflect. And I know I've said this over and over again. I sit up here half of the worship before I come up here just going, God, I'm not even worthy to do what I do. But it is Jesus that grants us freedom. It says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if you are bound this morning 
Let communion be what it is, which is the breaking off of your old self and the embracing of what Jesus has done for you. And so I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up and we're going to go into worship. We're going to we're going to sing our guts out. And when you're ready, when, when you've had that moment of reflecting and going, God, th- this is where I'm at and this is where I need to be. And I'm trusting you in that, that you're going to lead me into change. I want to walk to communion and embrace your insufficiency, because that's what that is. It's an acknowledgement over and over again that you cannot have the marriage that you need to have without Jesus. You cannot. You cannot be the father that God has called you to be, the grandfather, the grandmother that God has called you to be without Jesus. Because if we're going to be honest, we've been around ourselves long enough to know that we don't change. We change for minutes. And then we get agitated and we unchange. But when God gets you, He changes you. And the reason why we have communion once a month is because we need to be constantly reminded that you will never be enough. But Jesus is. And so this morning, as we embrace communion, embrace your insufficiency, I love when Paul says, then I will boast all the more in my weakness so that the power of God would be made manifest in me. That's what communion is for us this morning. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, it is by your grace and mercy that any of us have the capacity to do what you've called us to be. Lord, there are there are destinies in this room, Lord, that if we knew what they were, it would astonish us. We would look at them and go, oh, there's no way that you could use that person to do this. And Lord, that's our earthly brain. Forgetting that it was always you that supplied the victory, that it was always you that brought the change, that it was always you that brought freedom that brought the people of Israel out of slavery and that's still bringing the people of God out of slavery. And so this morning, Lord, I pray that we would get serious about you. That we would stop allowing you to be an add-on to our crazy and overwhelming life. And we would move you back into the position of going, you are everything. And Lord, I thank you for allowing us to even have a glimpse in a moment this morning of going, you want more of me, and it is you that's going to bring that. And Lord, I just bless our communion this morning as we go and partake of your broken body, of your shed blood. Lord, I I pray that we would come face to face with the reality that we could not, could not. Never, but you did. And our hope for change, our hope for destiny comes from you alone. And so, Lord, I pray that you would be honored not only with our worship and singing, but you would be honored with our worship in the way we live. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.